When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouts of Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed as we as we continue to try and lift ourselves after last weekend's debacle, that is the defeat against Arsenal, um, which I don't know the way the way some people were talking about it afterwards. It was like um, Liverpool's title charge was all over and done with. Um, I don't agree, but I can get why people started talking that way because it just felt so miserable afterwards. And if you just focus on one game, you feel you feel so downhearted. Um, and I've talked I've talked about the game a couple of times now. I had to do. Raw straight after, which was good. Got a bit off my chest. Did the radio on Monday night. Got a bit more off my chest. Um, with an Evertonian on the radio as well. But, I, I, you know, a, an old school Evertonian who's not sort of full of the bitterness and everything. Um, actually quite a reasonable Evertonian. You do get the odd one, you know. Um, but, yeah, a few more days have passed. And basically I've dealt with it by not really paying much attention to what's going on in the world of football. But it, I've not missed much from the looks of it. Um, Liverpool have been back training. You know, we've seen training for it was in the snow. It is freezing today. Um, but no snow here at least I can see um, it's freezing but yeah um, it feels like you know that, that it feels like it, it's too early to say the title charge is over from that it was one bad game that's where I'm thinking um, and also I just wondered as well whether do we deserve to sort of should we just focus on how bad we were or do we do we need to give any praise to Arsenal and that's a question I've asked myself a couple of times but I'll be honest um, I'm sure Jay will have his own thoughts on this, but I'm not feeling like I need to give Arsenal that much praise. Um, I really feel that we messed it all up ourselves and they were, you know, they weren't poor, but, you know, they capitalised on us having a, a genuinely a bad day at the office from front to back. Um, so I'm not going to praise Arsenal, probably do the opposite if anything. But Jay, you know, you've had a few days as well and you've had to listen to Everton fans crowing about it as well, about their draw, their massive draw. Um how are you feeling? Are you, are you sort of... Do you think we were bad, they were good, better both? And are you over it yet? Uh, I think I was over it, pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you don't lose many games as a Liverpool fan, especially in the current climate. You know, what's had the second league loss this season and probably the first loss that we actually deserved. You know, yeah, the other one, we, we, we didn't deserve to do that game, mitigating circumstances and all that. But yeah, it was... It was one of them... You know, it, it has to go down as a really bad day at the office, and 
everything that could go wrong kind of did go wrong. Um, and you know, you you have these games, and I I kept thinking back, like, what what what's this sort of reminding me of? And the only game I could really closely come to mind of in this season was probably Luton away, where we we allowed ourselves more to to slump to their level and be drawn into their sort of game where you know. We didn't play our own football, and with this Arsenal game, I just don't think we ever really got up the changing room. Um, you know, we, we didn't necessarily slump to their level, but we allowed ourselves to to be dictated to by Arsenal. Um, you know, and, and and let them get into the rhythm. And I wouldn't say, you know, if you happen to compare, you know, a game at Anfield to a game at the Emirates, you know, if if teams allow Liverpool to to get into the rhythm and, and the crowd gets behind them. It becomes an extra factor, as we've often said. But at the Emirates, you know, it, it kind of feels like that. You know, they've got to put the, the the cafe latte down and probably, you know, an ice cucumber sandwich to actually make some noise. But um, unless Martin Odegaard's, you know, sort of conducting them in a way which, you know, if if you're in that much of a big game and your captain has got a multiply gesture to the fans to actually get behind the team, it, it kind of proves that you're probably not doing the best as a fan base. Um, just as a side note, but. Yeah, when you when you're having to lift your lift your arms up to the crowd to get them going because yeah, you, you just I, want to throw in like I might come on. It's a bit early I, on that. It's just you know not necessarily small time, but you know it it kind of it shows that a bit of the the game's being lost there amongst hell of a lot of things that have been lost in the game. But we could do a whole other two or three hours on that. But yeah, we we gave them opportunities um, and you know through our own mistakes through our own sorts of sloppiness and, you know, rightfully punished to concede the first goal, albeit, you know, slightly lucky in the fact that Alisson does well for the one-on-one um, and the rebound just happens to fall to Saka, who was in acres of space. But, you know, I, I listened to Raw myself on Monday, like, you know, let the let the dust sort of settle and then listen to yourself and Guy and Trev sort of sum it up and, you know... <laughs> That's the, well, that's why Raw's so good because there's so many emotions and feelings, and then you know a day or so later when you you listen, you can you can gauge you know the frustration, but also you've taken time to to accept what's gone on, and yeah. I think you know we we'd have been very lucky to probably come away with the points given the performance on the day. Again, reference back to Luton, um, you know we, we did get fortunate enough to get a draw at Luton, and you know we we had the opportunities to potentially nick it at the end, and I think. That may well have been the game plan at half time, you know, looking at how bad we were and we fortunately got in um, one all without actually creating anything of note. And then a fourth, you know, 10, 15 minutes, second half, we we had a go. Um, but we, we we just looked so loose and so ragged and, you know, we, we can get into the, the, the lineup and the formation on the day. But also when, when we made changes, I think... You know, the, the lads on the pitch who came off for me warranted the substitution to come off the field, but they weren't offering much. But then, you know, when you're bringing on Harvey Elliott, who is, you know, effective at times, but or at times ineffective, you're not entirely sure how he's going to, you know, play in terms of his, his situation in the game. Is he going to have a positive effect? Is he sort of just going to be chasing shadows? And like, sadly to say, it looked like he was chasing shadows last weekend. And then Darwin Nunes, who didn't look fit. And then, you know, we're bringing on Andy Robertson and, and changing fullbacks and sort of switching the formation emphasis slightly, but bringing on a lad who's been out for 13, 14 weeks and is working his way back to fitness. Um, 
you know, it, it all sort of got even more disjointed and obviously the error that leads to the second goal is is a rarity in itself and then, you know, it was sort of the icing on the very shit shit cake and the fact that Kanate gets sent and then, you know, the gaping hole down that right hand side of the pitch where where Trossard Walters won in and even that, you know, in itself that the fact that it flicks off Virgil's big toe and goes underneath Ali's legs, you know, it on you know, ninety nine percent of other days that that's either knocked out by Virgil for the corner or if it gets past his outstretched leg, you know, Allison saves it and it was just the sort of well, that's it. You know what I mean? You, you, you couldn't have had the worst day at the office. You sort of, you dust yourself off, you pack yourself up, you you take a few days off, which the team have probably had. Um, and we look forward to this weekend and you hope that the reaction now um, is one of, you know, defiance and sort of, you know, proving that it was really an off day in it and it wasn't, you know, going to be a case that that, that just sort of fell off the rails as many would have you believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think another game that, that does sprung to mind, I think you got to mention on Raw as well, was the looting game where, you know, at times in that game we weren't great, but then we got that sort of like, for want of a better phrase, what we've had a few times this season, we got the kick up the arse of conceding goals and really needing now to not piss about all the time and actually get out and do something. And that's that that's what we did against Luton, and that's what we've done in other games this season that's, that keeps coming up whenever you watch any kind of TV footage of Liverpool about how many times Liverpool have, have won points from being from being behind. Um, because, you know, in a way it's good that they have, but in a way it's bad that they've had to so often, but they have. But then, wherever it was on Sunday, there just wasn't that same that same fire and that same fight. And I don't know, I think Guy used a good word on Raw that, that we were bullied and it did feel like that, that we kind of went into our shells quite a bit. Um, but you're right, I mean, I think if I was going to praise Arsenal, it would be because you know we we we'd hung on and hung on and and you know they they could have hammered us by far more and I don't think that was the case. I think you know by our, we, let's face it, we weren't exactly looking potent in front of the goal ourselves. But um, in terms of a threat from them, the second goal was definitely a fluke. I doubt we'll ever see anything as bad as that again from those two. And as you say, the third goal when we were down to ten men and two defenders or whatever, um, you know, chasing a point. I just, I just don't really think that's, you know, I think that they're the kind of goals you sort of ignore when you're looking at the scoreline. They don't really tell you the true story. And 2-1 was probably more of a true story because as bad as Liverpool were, I just don't think they threatened us that much more. And then if I'm going to be, you know, looking for more positives, I think, well, this time last week we were talking about how great Conor Bradley is and what a difference he's made. And then, of course, the sad news came through about his dad and obviously he wasn't going to be around to play the game and I can imagine um, you know how, how much of an effect that must have had on the squad as well because this this young lad who's really sort of brought so much pleasure to us as fans he must be great within the squad as well to see him doing so well I've seen quotes from Trent this week praising him um, but of course him not being available meant that it, it was almost certain that either Trent or Robert were going to start and I doubt that was the plan I'm pretty sure that you know, if if Connor had been available, it would have been Connor and Gomez playing as fullbacks, and then as the game went on, both of them maybe would have made way for Trent and Robbo if needed, um, and then those two could have just been gradually introduced. I feel like both of them ended up maybe playing more time and getting more pressure on them than we, we would have liked, and hopefully, from what I can see, it looks like they're going to be okay. But you know, there's always a risk doing that that it's going to be too much, and I, we were quite harsh on Trent on Raw 
um, which is fairly not fair enough. I think we've got high standards, high expectations, but I think maybe you know, I think he's one of the players that deserved a bit of a let off in the sense that he's been out. Um, you know, give him give him some time to get back into it. Let's see what happens. Um, Robbo again, you know, rusty, but you can see he's ready to go. And I think the interesting thing is that when everyone is fit, again, there's going to be competition with those places. But how how you can praise Arsenal, though, as you say, it's just um, unreal to see the celebrations afterwards. That I, I I was saying, sort of, I was taking notes during the game, and I was and I was writing down in the notes that um, the way that place works, the new Highbury Stadium works for them is um, when it's going well, they can be really loud and behind the team, but then they go quiet pretty quickly. And then they start going into a panic. And to me, the biggest frustration is, um, you know, you can have the opposite effect to Anfield with them is just start doing things so they start panicking a little bit, the players. Just let them start losing the ball a little bit and just watch how quicker the fans turn. Um, you know, I mean, when it's quiet, maybe they're just doing little vlogs and things, I don't know. But um, we didn't capitalise on it. But maybe maybe we just shouldn't be spending too much time worrying about it because it really does feel like a blip. Um, and I think... What made it feel worse is how good we'd been in the other two games since Klopp started. Uh, sorry, sorry, Klopp announced to us that we, we were starting this, um, the end of his days as Liverpool manager, because I was worried there might be a slump when he announced it. But the next two games were were off the scale. How well we played, both at home. Um, I've got to say, next games at home, playing Burnley, um, a team that we've played already this season and done okay against. So. Surely this is the time to turn it around now, isn't it? Back back the way it was. You'd imagine so. Got the nostalgia Saturday three o'clock, which is quite rare for us as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, in, in regard to Arsenal celebrations, you know, you'd you'd think they would have you know remembered what six weeks ago or something like that to the game on Anfield when apparently they won the league <laughs> um, when you know they drew nil nil with us um, and just stayed top for Christmas and then. By New Year's Day, we were top anyway, because they went on to lose the next two games. So you know, you know, a, a bit of sort of you know perspective and, and actually humility in, in terms of you know respect for your opponents. And you know, there's, there's a lot of fallout from it. You know, like I, I, I was in Jamie Carragher's camp in terms. You know, yes, you you beat a rival, and you know, you sort of maybe you know applaud your fans if they've helped. Which I didn't say the Emirates probably did help them as. You know, fans at Anfield probably could, um, you know, influence a result. But you know, you you sort of you applaud your fans. You know, you say thanks to them for making the efforts and coming and all that business. Like, like any any team should do. Um, you know, whether whether you've won or lost, I think it's it's just a mark of respect to acknowledge. You know, your, your fan base for for coming out and paying the hard earned cash to to go to the game anyway. And I'm sure it's a lot more expensive to go to games at the Emirates than it probably is in. Um, in Liverpool, but you know that's the situation with this this country. In the north is the north, and it's probably a separate state on its own. But yeah, um, you know, Martin Odegaard taking photographs with the photographer, and then like you know, Arteta sort of doing his best Mourinho impression when they scored and running down and high five and all the touchline, and you know, it was just a bit over egged. And had this game have been played in April. You know, when Arsenal had pulled themselves within two points with say half a dozen games to go, then, then for me, yes, you know, then then a bit more over the top celebrations. But with fifteen games to go, you know, learn from what happened before Christmas, lads, and and realise that you know by the time the the game week as it's known had finished, 
he's was still third in the table. Do you know what as well? The other thing that jumped to my, in my out, out to me was our last game in North London where refs, refs did us in basically and we lost. Um, the way Tottenham fans celebrated that was like they'd won the league. Like the, Oh yeah, that was what, what happened. Yeah, and this question in sport used to say what happened next. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of context to be taken into account and you just think like, for me it was like, just think of what you've just done before Christmas and what happened and you know, as we record this on Friday afternoon, we're still top of the table and this league is still in our hands. Yeah. You know, as people would like like you to believe, now that Man City are now going to run away and steamroller everybody and win every game 4-5-0 and run away with the league by 12 points or whatever. And yes, technically, it's also in Man City's hands, but it's in our hands. You know, like, whoever wants to have control of the destiny of the league it's in their hands between those two clubs alone because we have to play each other. And that's, you know, the pivotal thing. If if we win all our games out now, we win the league. If Man City win all their games out, they win the league. If Arsenal win all their games out, they could win the league. But it depends on, on us and City dropping points and, and letting them, you know, in the back door, as I was saying. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's... It, Arsenal are a huge club and they've sort of I feel as though they've embroiled and embraced themselves too much in this sort of social media narratives and they've sort of lost what it was to be a big club and you, you know you mentioned about like you know it goes time times in the game when it goes quiet and, and you're doing vlogs or you know are they sat there you know scrolling YouTube or Twitter or trying to find out things and it's one of my pet peeves that the game is people having phones in their hand at any time when the game's going on you know, like a free kick or a penalty or a corner is awarded and instantly you see thousands of phones being whipped out because people want to capture that moment and I also think for me you want to capture that moment with the people around you whether you, you're there with friends family or you're just one person on their own amongst a load of other you know strangers as it would be but you're all there for one common cause which is to see your team win and, and enjoy that moment and there's nothing better than the feeling of you know, celebrating with people rather than celebrating through a phone screen or an iPad screen or whatever. And I think Arsenal have, you know, clinged too much to this social media sort of vibe. And, you know, it's, you know, trying to portray how they are, you know, like we're a London club and, you know, we're, we're so modern and hip and stylish or whatever that we're, we're, we're too cool for, for raucous fan celebrations in the crowd and making noise for 90 minutes that, you know, as we said earlier, you know, you need older guards to con- conduct you into making noise because you've been awarded the corner or whatever. And I just feel as though that that element of the game is lost with them, and maybe that is why the over-the-top celebrations were sort of from them. Like it was, you know, it was mentioned last week that we've been, um, you know, put forth in the documentary rather like you know our finish of the season or whatever but it also felt as though that was a very much of a Netflix celebration from, from Arsenal you know like the moments where you can imagine on the Netflix trailer you know Odegaard taking pictures of Dave the cameraman and Arteta running down the touchline and you know flashbacks to when Arteta had to play crowd noise at, at the training grounds to sort of get the Arsenal players used to what Anfield might be like and it, it was his his moments of of redemption and stuff like that. It just feels so so forced and scripted. Um and then Yeah, I, I just love it like the, good. the Netflix documentary then cuts to a pub in Liverpool 
and they're asking a few few like few reds like so what's what do you recommend to that older guy with the camera <laughs> can you just imagine the reaction um, I mean, uh, you might have had a few obscenities and bleep noises. <laughs> Probably be the best way to this. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping we have something for every red we also stock official lfc merchandise and are licensed with the premier league and uefa to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches as a listener to this podcast you can get 10 percent off everything with coupon code aipro10 just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on etsy by searching for anfield index but it's like, it's not like, it's just like, it's not even, it's not like a sort of, oh, I hate them, Arsenal. It's more like, <laughs> that is sad. You know, it's like almost feeling sorry for them. That's that's the difference. And I, I've had this conversation like a few times, like Chelsea fans seem to think that we're the big rivals, which, I mean, to them, I can see maybe that's how they think about us. The way Tottenham reacted, as we just said, again, they must feel that way about us. The way Arsenal reacted, again, they must feel that way about us. And there's other stuff as well. Because, when you were talking about the camera, the only thing I could think of where something similar had happened with us was where Stevie G grabbed the sort of football, the TV camera, um, and kissed it at Old Trafford that time when I think it may have been the 4-1 or one of the, one of the big wins like that. And he kissed the camera. And that to me is like, that wasn't them. You know, if, if we're playing them or we're playing the Blues, then there are like sort of died in the blood rivals like it's in like they're our biggest rivals no one else will ever come close to either of those two teams as far as we're concerned not in uh in english football maybe um maybe we'll have a few european rivals as time goes on but um i would say those two are our big rivals and so i get it when when you do it in those fixtures because it is it's a fixture that means more than whatever's happening in the league table but liverpool and arsenal is only a fixture that means what's happening in the league table it doesn't mean anything outside of that you know there's a, there's just this subtle difference um but the more you see it happening with teams who are playing us the more you think my god we really must be getting into their heads to the extent that i'm impressed with arsenal because if they, it's not really impressed i'm being very sarcastic here because up to now the, the only songs i knew they had were um arsenal another another song with the same lyrics but different tune arsenal and then 1-0 to the Arsenal. I don't think they have many more songs than that, um, other than when they're asking for, you know, Wenger out and things like that. But the other day, they had a whole song, which, funnily enough, just happened to be our song. Um, you know, they've gone to the trouble of copying our song, and probably I didn't hear the lyrics that they've used, but I'm assuming taking the piss out of us. Um, I know a couple of other clubs have tried to do it as well. It, it just feels like we're well and truly in their heads, and you know what? You can do your fake fist bump things as much as you want. You can do your mad running up and down the touchline as much as you like. Um, you know, I'll make a little bit of an allowance for the manager because maybe he's got a bit of that bitterness sewn into him from his time across the park. But, you know, we're not. We You don't mean the same to us as we clearly mean to you. No, they say imitation is the biggest form of flattery, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, you know... God knows what the lyrics are to a lay, lay, lay Arsenal version six points out because you know Wolves have had a go at it. Um, I think Brentford have had a go at it. 
Palace probably have had a go at it. Other teams have all had a go at it. And, you know, it. Yes, we we stole it. As as other songs, we we've stolen it from other clubs. Yeah. We've stolen them from other clubs around the world. You know, like you think of, um, is it the Bobby Firmino one that's that's referenced to the, the Boca Juniors song or something like that? Um, yeah, we've covered them. We've covered them with respect. Yeah, more how we've done it. I reckon, and, and we've taken them from from big big clubs around the world. And we, you know, you, you're not going to go and rob like Chelsea, Chelsea for Liverpool, Liverpool. It's not not really going to take off, is it? Um, so, for example, or one nil to the Liverpool, it doesn't really sort of work. You know, you, like one nil to the Wolves, or you know, you might <laughs> see see sort of that. And you know, it, it's the old small time songbook lottery that you know you get um, at the ground and I'm sure um, you know the what maybe 1200 um, sort of pilgrims that are going to travel from from Burnley tomorrow or or produce a couple of songs you know like is this a library and you robbed our car stereo and the sign on you know the the, the usual sort of you know middle England Brexit sort of uh, songbook bingo so if anyone's watching the game um, via any sort of you know media, um, do do have your checklist out, and I'm sure you know you'll you'll note down a good half a dozen of the. We've heard that one before from you know list seventy other clubs under this bracket. Um, but yeah, it, it you know the the the, the fist bump thing. You know, I I just thought it, it's embarrassing. Um, you know, come, come up with something else. You know, you you think of like goal celebrations. Um, you know when. Certain players are memorable for for certain goal celebrations and, and whatever. And you know, obviously, there's you think of like knee slides and stuff like that and whatever. But you know, you think of iconic goal celebrations like Jürgen Klinsmann's sort of famous dive and Sheeran's one hand up in the air and Robbie Keane's tumble and and gun celebration thing or whatever. Daniel Sturridge's uh, wait, that way me arm thing. Emil Hesky being a DJ. Yeah, there's loads out there, but it's synonymous to to that one player. And if you know, if if Emileski's doing the DJ thing or Daniel Sturridge is doing the the arm way, and then you know Marcus Rashford goes and does that thing, you sort of think, oh, I've seen that before. You know, you you're taking that from someone else, and you're taking it. You know, it doesn't really seem genuine. And you know, not to say other managers can't be doing fist pumps or whatever, but it's synonymous in in the Premier League with Klopp and. If you're gonna do fist bumps, at least fist bump rather than some sort of awkward uppercut, where you know, like you're you're the first person who's gone to a boxing gym and you're trying to, you know, get control on the pad sort of thing. And why you're doing it in your in your long black trench coat, it looks even worse, mate. Um, and you know, it, it's laughable for Liverpool fans, but then you know, many other fans are like, oh, Michael Arteta's mocking Jurgen Klopp there and taking the piss, and like, well, he's trying. But he's making himself look like an idiot because he's hardly done them properly, you know. And again, it just all comes back to me. It's like if you're gonna copy us, you know, it kind of shows, you know, we're the original, we're the best, we're sort of we're that big that you can't go up with something original, you know, and yeah. you have to sort of take it from us. Like, and I, I also think like there's going back to the, the club song sort of thing you know like certain clubs have got certain songs like United have got a few of their own and I always think of like the Palace song I I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head but Palace have got this significant song that they sing and 
I can never imagine the cop embracing that and adjusting it to one of their own players. But other clubs I've heard, I've been singing it, and you always think, that's the song that Palace sing. And, you know, you, you, you sort of, you're ripping off their song, and I, I just think, I, I think people got the imagination to come up with something original, or does it always hard back? So there's a there's a famous sort of flag on the cop of the liver bird with a pair of Adidas trainees on with the originals written underneath it, and it always sort of rings in my mind. You know, that, that's just what we are, which we're originally unique, and, and maybe that's why we're loved, but we're also hated on so many levels. I think that's one of the things, you know, because the reason all those clubs see us as the rivals that we don't see them as is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, it's, th- there's definitely a tinge of jealousy in there, and I mean... I'm sure that if you're a well-to-do fan of a London club, you can afford to pay a fortune for your ticket and all the rest of it, you know, and um, you think Liverpool really is a place that's full of people who are all all on the dole and, you know, there's rubble all around the place and fight, you know, everything's on fire or whatever, whatever your imagination is and the, the people of Liverpool always leave the city to go and steal cars and whatever else. If that's, if that's how your mindset is, then then maybe you're not jealous of Liverpool because you don't know what Liverpool is, but maybe you're jealous of how... Um, I mean, there was a there was a banner in the ground the other week as well, and the away fans imagine being us. I mean, I think maybe that's the thing, is that maybe you're jealous of the of the way that, generally speaking, whatever happens in this city, people, and with this club, people just kind of stick together and work through it, have a laugh about it, and, you know, fight fight for, for things to be better, of course, as well. Um and come out the other end, you know, still going, still fighting, still determined to not be downtrodden. And um, I don't know, I just, we're biased, obviously, aren't we? You know, we, we see it from our, our point of view, but I can fully get why fans of other clubs would be jealous of us. Because um, I think I would be if I wasn't a fan of us. Um, I'll just interject it there. Curtis Jones has done an interview, which will be on Football Focus, I'd imagine, tomorrow. Right. Um, just just a few words about like you know clock leaving or whatever, and he was asked about the Arsenal celebrations, and he's just said that the gaffer himself, obviously Arteta, the way he fist bumps the fans and stuff, that's kind of like our thing. So if they want to be stealing our stuff, then that just shows we're on the right path, and we've got these people who are trying to copy us. So so you know the the players are onto it, and like you know like we just said, it 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 is it's it's just showing that like got no originality and we're that sort of big that you, you can't come up with anything because we're the first and we're the best so you, you've just got to copy us if you, if you want but you know much like sort of knockoff gear um, you know you, you can have you know you, you rip off trainees or you rip off tracksuits as, as, as it was probably back in the 90s and remember you know Lacoste being the big thing as it probably was and a genuine Lacoste tracksuit or trainees or whatever were costing you you know upwards of 100 quid or whatever back in the day which you know given inflation is probably four or five hundred quid nowadays yeah. but there was always you know you could go to market um, and you could get a knockoff Lacoste tracksuits for, for 35 40 quid um, and you know and it'd be it'd be alright you know on, on unless you know like people were able to have a close inspection of it you could say yeah, yeah that, that, that looks real that looks like the real deal but then when you have, have a proper look you might have noticed that you know like the crocodile had no teeth or you know even, even was maybe facing the other way um, the zips had Adidas or something yeah like you know there was just something that you you were able to just tell it, it just wasn't quite the real deal um, so you know you, you've tried but you know, you've just not quite achieved it yeah that's that's then is it I mean I mean talking of, of imitation and stuff like that it's a slightly different one but um, 
one of the reasons Liverpool's not this place full of rubble and all the rest of it that people might still think it is. Um, a lot of money came from the EU to help out with different stuff around the city. One of those things was Liverpool won the big shopping centre, which is um, not even a centre, is it? It's just a load of shops that's at one part of town. Um, but it's known as Liverpool won. And obviously the Reds opened the club shop there. So one of the, you know, it was one of the sort of key tenants, if you like, to that that outlet, that that sort of, um, not, I keep going to say retail part, but it's not. It's one of the one of the key outlets in the place anyway was a Liverpool shop. And there was a joke from Tony Barrett once when he was writing about Merseyside football, I think maybe for the Echo, maybe for the Times by then. Um, and he just made a joke about how it wouldn't surprise him if um, Everton would open a club shop at Liverpool 1 and call it Everton 2. And it was just a big joke. And I mean, within 12 months, they had, they'd opened a club shop called Everton 2 at Liverpool 1 just because he sounded like, you know, it was one way of beating us. Um, but that was a bit of imitation there. Um, and I just love the, the way that, you know, they can make jokes about themselves without realising they're making jokes about themselves. And um, I suppose we should mention them though because they were, they have been on a bit of like, I mean, they drew against Spurs. So, and, and, to, and fair play to them. I mean, that was that was a good result for them. You know, they were behind and they fought back and got back to two all. And it briefly lifted them out of the relegation zone. They're still waiting to hear what the outcome of their appeal against the points deduction is. That's that here has been done, I think now. So it's just a case of all these legal eagles writing long notes and making sure it can't be taken apart by someone before revealing what the decision is. Um, but they were just um, they were just so I don't know. Apart from, the, you know, the person I spoke to on the radio on Monday was much nicer about it. She was just happy for her own team as much as anything. Um, because really, it makes no difference to Everton what we're doing. We, we and other, other than when we actually play them, or unless we play one of the t- one of the tees down at the bottom with them, it doesn't make a lot of difference what we're doing. And if anything, they should be wishing us well, apart from in one game that we've got left, which is the derby. Because um, we play Luton, that game's been rearranged now to be just before the League Cup final. You know, we've got other, like, we've got Forest coming up as well. Um so if anything, you'd, you'd think Everton fans would be open, we'd do them a favour, but I don't know, for a lot of them, it's just not in their nature, is it? They just... I genuinely wonder with some of them whether they would... What would make them happier if they got relegated and we missed out on the league by a point in the last minute of the last day of the season, you know, and they went down in the last minute of the last day of the season. I genuinely don't know which one would be what, you know, what their emotions were based on after that. Well, I had a as you can probably imagine, you know, I, in in the place of work that I am, it's it's boisterous, you know, and there's you know pretty much an even divide between red and blue, and there. there's a couple of alternative clubs available. Um, if you want to go searching for them, you know, there's a Man City fan nearby, and there's a couple of Manx. Because um, if people are wondering, if you say you were a Manx, you're a Man United fan. Yeah. Um, um, and you have to stress, you know, we've got a Man City fan because Man City were nothing. And growing up for me, and and actually for yourself as well, you were you were the second club in Manchester. So if you were a Man, you were an United fan. Um, just in case people were wondering why you're referencing different sorts of quotations, but you know, no sooner the final whistle gone, uh, maybe even before that, um, you know, the, the the WhatsApp groups were lighting up or whatever, and and Monday morning was an event for one in work. Um, you know, as I say, you know, we 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 bottled the title and stuff like that, and but we're still top. Um, and you know, our, our test had done it, and all that. You know, the former blue and all that business was like, yeah, but we're still top. Um, I was like, let's just have a look at the table. Oh, you're you're still bottom three. 
um, because you didn't win again the weekend. Yeah, okay, you got a little point. Let's have a look at the tempo. Just scroll down, scroll down. Keep scrolling. Yeah. You're down there somewhere. Yeah, you, you might you might strain your neck, but you, you are down there. Um, you know, and, and the backwards and forwards sort of went on and whatever. And I was like, actually, you was playing Man City on Saturday, early kickoff. What colour blue shirts are you wearing? <laughs> and all of a sudden, he was just like, there's, there's, there's no reply and I've done it with about four or five lads I was like just just want to know what colour blue shirt you're wearing on Saturday afternoon and they were like well what do you mean I was like well if you's you should play in Man City you'd obviously want Man City to win to go above us before we kick off and obviously to you know keep the pressure on us at the top of the table so, but that then means that you lose and you will stay in the bottom three and they were like yeah I went so obviously you want your own team to win to try and get out the sort of the relegation battle as it is. I said, but you know, you, you've then got to take into account that Luton are playing Sheffield United at home at Luton who are actually decent. So if you don't win and Luton do win, you're down four points behind Luton with another game wasted and Luton have still got a game in hand on you. They were like, yeah, but I, you know, fuck, fuck that. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up wins somewhere else. And I was like, see, that's the minute you're writing off this game. So we, you know, might not be top for a couple of hours or, you know, my sister came to pressure and they were like, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't expect to win a DS yet. And I was like, oh, like, it's embarrassing to think that you're that much attention is going on to us not winning ahead of your own team who's fighting a relegation battle to stay up in the league. And then it was all like, you know, the, the, oh, well, if we didn't have 10 points deducted and all that, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like, my way here is done sort of thing. You know, I've dropped the mic and I've walked away. Does it even cross the mind that they could have said, I want us to win in the morning, in the, in the lunchtime kickoff, and then I want to watch you lot mess up what would have been a chance to get you to get your gap back opened up again? That doesn't even cross the mind, does it? Because it's not the priority. Nah. Because what they want in our game is they want us to draw. Because then... We haven't won. So technically, Liverpool drop points equals Everton win. Plus, Burnley are behind them in the league. Or should Burnley win and they get beat as well? Which is what they obviously want to happen. They want City to beat them. And Burnley somehow miraculously got a, a win at Anfield. Burnley would only be three points behind them in the league. Yep. And obviously, as, as a reference, the Luton won. If Luton you know, pulled out the results at home to Sheffield United, would be four points clear of them. And all of a sudden, mm. there's gaps opening up and there's teams getting closer. And it's like, ah, it's sort of like you've checkmated them. You know, they, they don't know where to go. <laughs> but then it's all, it always, obviously, it just spins back to, well, we, we've docked 10 points. So if we, if we didn't have that, and then, you know, you just sort of leave it at that because obviously, you know, you, you can't, you can't accuse Evelyn of, 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 of cheating and stuff like that because they didn't, they didn't cheat and he, the, the, the point deduction just means the whole league is corrupt and all that business but it, 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 it was just it was comedy how they were so boisterous and jovial at the fact that we've lost a game but we're still top and they're still bottom three yeah when you, you you're fired backwards well who do you want to win this weekend in your game you've absolutely stumped them um, and yeah it, 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 it's it's a sad season phase and if, if, if that's the focus of of your fandom that your rivals results as more dependence to you as your own club um, 
kind of questions why why you support that club in the in the first place. Yeah, it's it's just mad. I know the nearest thing I can think of the top of my head for us is when we played Blackburn or Anfield, and we'd gone off the boil. Our league titles were, you know, our league title record that we had at the time was getting slowly closed but down by by the Manx. That's the red ones for anyone still not sure. Um, it was getting closed down by the Manx and Blackburn. Kenny was their manager by now, and the way he went it was the last game of the season. Um, I can't remember the exact the, the exact scenarios, but basically, if they beat us, they've won the league. Um, any other result, then it would depend how the Manx did in their game and stuff like that. And you kind of like tone going into that game because it was a nothing game for Liverpool. I just don't think it made any difference where we finished in the league. There was no European spot for us out of it. Particular, I can't remember. There was nothing in it for us other than other than literally just winning a game of football. Um, and it was a bit of a mixed feeling. Like there's part of you thinking, oh, I, I wouldn't say you hope you lose, but you could sort of imagine yourself thinking, well, if we lost, I wouldn't be madly disappointed if it meant that lot didn't close the gap on us in in league titles and that. In a way, that was still so. He still meant something to us if Blackburn did win, because it meant that our gap between us and them in league title records was still was still where it was. Um, but even then, you just couldn't bring yourself to want them to beat you. You just couldn't do it. It was strange. I remember Shearer scoring, and it was strange because you're like, oh, this you know this means the Manx and you know this means the Manx aren't gonna win the league, but it means we're losing, and it was like. He was, I was still so disappointed that they scored. I still had that whole thing in my head about how disappointed I was. And I think anything that was said before the game about what you really want, it's totally gone out the window when the game started. And in the end, of course, we won the game. Um, and as we're celebrating the winning goal, news filtered through. And then Kenny's doing his famous uh, celebration, both arms up in the air, both arms up, a lot, up aloft because he knows they've won the league. Um, but that's just the thing. Even then, even those circumstances, I don't know any... There weren't really any Liverpool fans genuinely saying that they want Blackburn to win that game. You just you just couldn't do it. It's just just against your nature. But um, maybe you know maybe for some fans it just gets uh, brought into it. I just mentioned there quickly the Luton game's been rearranged to be played a few days before the League Cup final, and the League Cup final ticket allocations have been announced. And um, same thing gets said every year. It gets said about the FA Cup because it's worse. It gets said about the League Cup. Last time we were in both finals, we said it. Um, how big is the stadium? How many fans get tickets from either club? And it's just, I mean, the League Cup, well, maybe a third of the tickets go to each club, you know, a third each, and then there's a third that goes to others. Um, and we were talking just before we came on, weren't we, that, you know, it's, it's football's not got as much trouble surrounding it as it used to, but it's still there in, on the fringes and so on. And the way it works is that different people get these tickets for different reasons. They might be related to sponsors. They might be... Um, other clubs, it might be some kind of county. In the FA Cup stuff, it's always um, county associations get so many. And there's no real control over where those tickets go because they just get given the tickets to pretty much do what you like with them. They'll probably argue that's not the case, but that's what happens. And that's why whenever you go to a final at Wembley, you look around, if Liverpool are playing, you can see the the opposition end, you can see the home end, you know, your own fans end, and then you can see how much of those colours start blending into other areas. And generally speaking, there's way more red than blue if Liverpool are playing a team wearing blue. Um, but sooner or later, this is going to—it feels like this is going to cause a problem. We were just saying, like before Liverpool's last home game, there was a Wolves and West Brom FA Cup game, and it kicked off. And yeah, I don't think that's going to happen with Liverpool matches this season. I just don't think—I just don't think it will. I hope it won't. But I just can't believe that the authorities are still, this day and age, thinking it's okay to do this when. 
they'd make just as much money selling it to the actual fans who want them. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Just head that. The, the, the fan allocation for tickets is, is ridiculous. And, and you know, there's... You know, we were about how big we are as a club and there's, there's no way you can appease the, the demand for, for tickets. And, you know, as someone who missed out on the ballast, um, you know, disappointing. Um, but, you know, I kind of class it as, you know, some, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. And if I'm looking for small bits of omens and whatever, like, the last time we reached the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea, I missed out on the final um, in the ballot for that. But, you know, as a compensation, I got to the FA Cup semi-final in the final. So, would take that again if offered yeah. this season. Um, you know, just looking for omens of, of positivity and stuff. But, yeah, I think, you know, if we're saying Wembley's a 90,000-seater stadium, what harm is there in giving 40,000 to each team? And if you want to supply your, your sponsors and your corporates and your, your friends and whatever of of people with the the club Wembley sort of quotations then then give them ten thousand and stuff. But again, I don't agree with that. You know, you'd like to hope that fans got a more equal share of the, the the pie, but they don't. We're always the last ones at the bottom of the ladder fighting for the scraps. Why can't the sponsors yeah. give the tickets to the fans of each club? Why can't it be done that you you're you're a guest on behalf of whoever whoever yeah, yes. Carabao drinks co and you're in the Liverpool section of the Carabao drinks hospitality lounges or whatever they want to do. I mean, you know, there was there was the circulating tweets of of Exeter, like raffling off, you know, a competition for a pair of tickets for the Carabao Cup final because obviously the they're an EFL member club, um, and there's seventy two clubs as of the of the EFL members, you know. So if you're accounting for every single club at least having a minimum of a pair of tickets, then you know you you're well over one hundred and forty tickets there just alone going to EFL clubs, and you'd imagine. You know, there's probably a lot more being sort of siphoned off to, you know, certain clubs and whatever for, you know, four months of the round, gold around and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, you, you get that sort of, you know, there's got to be a little bit of an incentive. But as you rightly say, th- these tickets end up in the hands of the wrong people. And, and an issue that I did notice was the fact that Liverpool have been told that all their tickets are going to be digitally sort of distributed. Um, so if anyone has been to our field in the past few years, you know, you'll know it's a digital ticket access to be used on on your phone yeah. um, to, to gain access to the ground. However, Chelsea's have got paper tickets. 
which which is odd and you know it does does raise eyebrows and suspicion and I think Spirit of Shankly have, have asked the club actually today um for answers as to why why this is a decision that's being made um as to why one club has got to have digital tickets and, no good and, reason for that and the other club hasn't and it, it then also raises the question as to why why the three o'clock kickoff times has been announced when you know it was a four thirty originally and fans had made travel arrangements I think we spoke about this last week possibly um you know when you know people have arranged to to make travel from from the northwest of the country which you know if anyone knows it's it's not the easiest way to access London you know there's multiple routes but they're not the cheapest um you know when if if you're going by rail you know, you you've got to get in there early to get your your best price train tickets and the best sorts of train connections that you can. I know, so, I know, one's got the ability to go to the train companies because I'm sure the train companies could put more trains on, but no one will go to them and say, "Can you sort this for us?" You know, and so it never happens. Yeah, and and people have preempted and booked trains on the fact that you know it was scheduled as a four thirty kickoff, so you you might be cutting it fine, but you might have arranged to arrive in London. You know, four two thirty. Let's be honest here. You know, you'd arrived at London slash Wembley for two thirty in the afternoon because you thought, well, it's a four thirty kickoff, so I'm giving myself a two hour buffer to ensure I'm at the ground. Also, to make sure you can afford the tickets, because um, if you buy tickets to London, if you buy them in advance and you're not too bothered about what time of day you go and what time of day you come back, get some quite decent deals, I suppose. Um, but I mean, I did a, a work trip a while ago and. I booked it maybe 10 days before we had to go and I was allowed to, you know, and I just sort of, I can't remember, it was kind of peak time stuff, but it was like, I wasn't paying for it gladly, like 250 quid return on a train, not first class or anything, you know. 250, I mean, you can fly to Barcelona probably three times for that guy, you know. I mean, did, did, I remember looking after the first leg against Fulham. He was, you know, if you were searching Liverpool Lime Street, to Wembley or London Euston it was a section of the day where tickets not available for yeah. these trains so they were they were there. the trains were on the train, you could see what trains you were getting but they were unable to be purchased when we got to the second leg it became active and as the game progressed and obviously it was a you know tense affair potentially that you know we, we could have maybe banana skinned and went out but we got through in the end within 15-20 minutes of the half so every full time whistle Prices have like risen over fifty percent on what they were actually first initially on for, and then I, I started looking. Well, can I go from Manchester? You know, because I can get you can get to Manchester relatively, mm. you know, easy in a few different ways. You know, road rail or whatever from Liverpool, and you know the the routes from Manchester were going up in price, and you, you start looking at other ways. But you know, the frustration of if you you've made an arrangement for the train to arrive at two thirty into London, thinking you had a two hour buffer. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the game's been moved to three o'clock, and you can't change your train because the tickets have a been sold or b gone up to an obscene price. You basically left stuck because the train companies aren't going to refund you, and also you know getting back, you know you you, you may have arranged for the train to to leave London at a certain time, and then you're going to cause chaos at stations where people are going to be, be getting to the station and they're like, oh, well, actually, you know, you're you're not you're not allowed to get on this five. 45 train back to Liverpool because you booked the train for 7.45 thinking the kickoff was yeah. 4.30 so 
you know, you're having people lingering around stations and stuff like that and, and creating, you know, crowd confusion, which, you know, we don't want to get into that. But it just, there was no viable reason as to why they've changed this. There's no justification being said as to why they've changed it. And, you know, the, the digital tickets, the paper tickets for Chelsea fans, again, it, it just seems as though we're, we're sort of being singled out and being picked on here that it's, it's Liverpool fans. And, I, and again, you know, I don't know if anyone has actually seen, but we, we play Man City at Anfield in a few weeks and we've referenced a few times about, like, you know, serious concerns raised by police. I think that's why potentially this one was changed at Wembley, actually, because the Met Police recommended it. Um, you know, but... I'm not surprised if they're, if they're giving Chelsea fans paper tickets, you know. Last time when we played Chelsea, Chelsea fans were... There was a number of Chelsea fans arrested, not Liverpool. So would it have been different had it been Chelsea Fulham? Would it have been a four thirty? I imagine it probably would have. Had it been Liverpool versus Borough, would it have still been a four thirty? I don't know. You know, that's just me being a bit of, bit of a cynic. Um, and and the Man City game in a few weeks at Anfield has been moved from four thirty to three forty. Slow that. I I thought it was a never seen. No, I've never seen that kickoff time in my life. You know. Seven forty-five is is a well-known Wednesday night fixture kickoff time, but three forty-five never ever. No, and they've moved they've moved forward the Super Sunday fixture on that day, which I want to say is potentially Aston Villa. Um, they've moved down to a one thirty, so obviously the TV stations can get both games in at the same time. Um, and I think checking back through Discord, the only sort of viable reason that I could see was Harinder had put on that if they move it to 3.45 due to daylight saving times and all that, you know, it'll still be daylight basically when the ground empties out. So, mm. you know, for potential crowd disruption, um, you know, it's better for the crowd to be dispersed in daylight. And you just think like, you know, that they're just taken away a little bit from the game because Liverpool versus Man City is going to be a big game. And, Liverpool versus Man City under the lights at Anfield or just off that extra 5% about it. You know, if it, if it got to the second half and it was 5.30, quarter six or whatever, when the second half was kicking off, if it had been a regular kick-off time and then starting to go dark and the floodlights come on, it does just have that little crackle of something else about it. Mm. Um, and it just feels as though, like, once again, you know, fans are being never thought about because, you know, other people with other agendas and other sorts of priorities in mind at arranging football games to, you know, suit narratives and agendas. And I just think it, it's very frustrating as fans and we're always we're always the ones feeling the brunt of it. And there is, as you referenced before, a famous flag of, of football without fans is nothing. Mm. And, and it does feel as though it's getting driven that way. I think the, the other thing as well is that fans don't matter because whatever decisions they make, they never explained to us why. I mean, you probably remember yourself being a kid, and I've, I've got kids, grand, grandkid now. Um, you know, there's that thing about you say to a kid, go and do this, the kid says, why? You know, and then the answer in the end is, because I told you to kind of thing, right? But that's so frustrating for a kid, because you want to know why, why have I got to do this? Why can't I do that? And so, you know, you, you know, good dad eventually turns around and sits them down and then gives them a talk about why um, why you've said to do something, and they think, shit, I'm never asking him that again. Then. Um, that was another hour of my life gone. But it's... It's it's important to know why things are happening. So why are Chelsea having paper tickets and we're not? Tell us why. There might be a good reason for it. If there isn't, 
then we start thinking either A, you don't give a shit what we think, or B, there's something not so good about it. Um, why has the kickoff time gone to quarter to four? Just tell us. There might be a reason for it. Just tell us and explain it and why Why for the first time ever we've had a quarter to four kickoff. You might turn around and say um, that actually this was a compromise because the police, which I can't imagine, but you, you know, the police are saying that they wanted it to be a 12 o'clock kickoff and this was a compromise. Um, at least tell us, though. Whatever it is, if it's good or bad, tell us. Um, if you can't tell us, it makes me think you're ashamed of it. Much like we keep saying every week, referees, explain things to us, explain things to us. You know, you've made a decision, good or bad. Um, that's not going about Taylor, because I don't think he was the cause of our problems on Sunday, even though I think Canate was harshly given his first yellow at least. And, um, you know, there's a few other things going on in that game, but he was better than the last time we played. Consistently inconsistent. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, my expectations for him aren't very high. Um, and after T and he did quite well in the in the week game before that, I wasn't expecting anything great from him. I felt like, you know, as they say, these things even themselves out. I was going to make up for that, wasn't he? Um, but there's the other thing, just quickly, I've seen about. I don't think he's going to come in in the Premier League. I've not read much about it, but there's talk now about um, trying out sim bins and blue cards. Have you seen much about that? <laughs> For the moment, I thought, you know, that, that's something that'll cle- please the Everton fans. <laughs> um, we made up that they got one for them. Um, and I, so I just feel it. It's just, it's just getting a little bit out of hand now. And I, I've got this this horrible feeling that we'll be watching the game um, where you'll have eight men versus 11. Um, and and it won't be it won't be rightfully used and it'll be abused, um, you know, You'd only have to look at, you know, the, we don't want to mention Taylor, but last week, some, some of the actions, and again, some of the actions from the previous game of the Emirates of the gesticulation from the Arsenal, and Odegaard is one of the worst for, for whinging and throwing his arms up and, you know, signs of, of dissent towards referee. Um, and, you know, nothing is given about it, but then Nunes, would, you know, he couldn't have the card out quick enough to... To, to have a go at Nunes yeah. and, and card him for, for, from rightly asking why it wasn't a foul which you know Kanate seen bed for with a second yellow um, and you know at that point in the game it's 2-1 we're about to go into added on time of 7 minutes it just makes you wonder you know had had Arsenal been reduced to 10 men would, would they have got a little bit touchy you know 10 versus 10 we might have decided you know what we'll start maybe lump a couple of balls up top and, and just see what we can get. You know, we might have been able to nick and equalise, and, and who knows? You know, yeah, you're never, you're never quite sure. But you know, we, we've we've often seen Man City. I, I wonder where for, for surrounding the referee and you know showing dissent and um, you know intimidation towards the referee, and very often they're, they're just sort of allowed to get away with it, and they're never given the yellow cards or. Whenever and I think I can see where they're coming from, but referees should should just be big enough and bold enough, and I'd have had a backbone to just say like, well, we're, we're just going to stick to try and be consistent on this. Then you wouldn't need this blue card and the sim bin, um, because you know you'll get you know maybe sixty five minutes into a game and that team is leading two 0 and the player will cynically take you know a blue card. You just try and take take an opportunity to, to to spoil an attack and and allow a team an opportunity to get back into it and then for that next ten minutes a manager can tweak his team and so basically right we're going you know nine ten men behind the ball 
and we're just going to ride it out until we get back to our full complements and, and try and hold on and and if they don't stop the clock on the sim bin every time the ball goes out of play, then the team that's down to 10 or whatever because of the sim bin are going to be, you know, oh, sud- suddenly having backache and, you know, yeah, exactly. Newcastle, then, you know, the, the player's only going to miss four minutes of action. <laughs> um, I, I just I just think it's it's just a bit bizarre. Um, you know, the, the, there is there is need for certain changes in football and, you know, some of them are really obvious, but something like this I just think it, it's it's just a bit far-fetched and it's it's a bit odd and and, and I do not often to do with Everton but why why the colour blue why not go orange you know why not just sort of say well you know you've you've, you've got one more than a yellow but I'm not going to send you off here so orange sort of seems like the natural colour to have I can imagine Everton's thinking that they've gone for blue because someone at the Premier League went what 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 does the number 10 like 10 minutes in been what what comes to mind when you think it's ten? <laughs> oh yeah, ten points blue. Let's do that. Well, well, well otherwise, if it would have been that choice, people would have had pink cards. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know that that's by the by, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It's just um, I can see where they're coming from. I, I mean, I, I agree with the idea to keep trying things out at lower league, see what happens, see how things work out, see you know is an idea worth giving it a go, and then you don't know until you try it. So try it. If it was a load of shite, then obviously you've you found out now you don't need to bother if it was good but maybe need some tweaks then maybe have a look at doing the tweaks and if it's a really great idea then by all means start introducing it um you know and i think there's that thing with yellow cards like there's there's yellow cards that are sort of borderline tellings off but end up getting a yellow and there's the yellow cards that were borderline sendings off but get a yellow and there's there's quite a wide range between the sort of the, the sort of burrest of yellow cards and the the luckiest of only yellow cards that you can have but um i don't think simbin's really really cures that problem um i think the only way it cures it in a way is that sometimes it is harsh that a second yellow gets you sent off when they weren't that bad you know overall the two yellows weren't that bad so maybe that's where it comes in but again like i said they'd have to change things like how timekeeping happened which might not be a bad thing we've talked about that as well that's something else i think they've been talking about doing which is where the ref doesn't keep the time anymore as a kind of central timekeeper if you like and surely the games would have to be a lot shorter in terms of minutes then because you know, a ball isn't in play for 90 minutes of a game, even with the added time and everything. It's nothing like that. Um, quick look ahead, I suppose, to, to the weekend game, to tomorrow. Um, I'm, I mean, we've not got much to say. I don't think about it. I'm expecting us to come out with our sort of, I don't know, I'm expecting us to come out with, with something to prove. Um, playing the manager, who obviously w- would have double reason for wanting us to lose, but um saw Endo in training this week, saw... Um, you know, Salah's maybe a bit early for him. Robbo and Trent can now perhaps feel a bit closer to both being able to start and maybe play a full game. We'll see. Um, Thiago's broken again, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we can't even get into that, can we? Like, I mean, we were saying this before we recorded where we, he's he's over a million quid a minute, but as as after this season, um, you know, not not bad work if you can get it. Uh, I suppose he'll say, you know, he, he's been in the gym a lot, I suppose that, but, you know, still good pay. Yeah. I mean, I, I suffer with my hamstrings, but I've, I've got a genuine, you know, condition within my back that affects my nerves, that my spine and my, and my sciatic nerves, and I think I've played more football than Thiago in the last 12 months. <laughs> um, and I, I think I'm probably old on him, around the same age, but, you know, if someone wants to pay me... It's, fraction of what he's getting for, for, for time played on the football pitch and I'll take it um, I, I think what, what we are doing is, is we're, 
you know, we, we didn't have Thiago until last weekend and, you know, we now haven't got him. So for most people, we've just sort of not wiped them from our memory, but we've never really wholeheartedly included them, much like the Setich, you know, the, the mirage that was Stefan Bersetic last season. Is he is he still around or was that some sort of player in disguise? Um, but, but those two fellas, along with Joel Matip, who obviously got injured in this out for the season, you know, you just sort of, you don't even acknowledge them, do we, now in, in, in the nicest way possible when we're looking forward to teams? No, no, we don't. I mean, I mean, every so often I'll read an article, um, like the club website always puts one out with TBUs and it's always like, why are you even mentioning these lads? Because like we know they're not they're not going to be around. Um, but I suppose it's a little reminder of how, you know, when you start the season, you name your squad and you're allowed so many young players. You can have, you know, unlimited young players as far as I know, um, or homegrown or whatever, under a certain age. But then, obviously, once you hit a certain age, you've got limits on how many you can have for different competitions. And, um, it, I mean, to me, we've done well. We've done well with the side we've had this season. And I think it can only be a good thing that we've got more and more players coming in. Um, I just think... I don't know, maybe it's only for another podcast. We'll see how they get on this weekend. But I don't think players like like Trent or Robbo, as good as they've been for us down the year, should ever assume as a Liverpool player that when you've been out the side for any reason that you're just going to walk straight back into it because if someone's been sitting in your place, you know, wearing your shirt kind of thing and doing a good job, then why should you walk straight in? You know, it's unfortunate, but that's how it happens. So be interesting to see how things work out. And I think, I think, in, you know the difference between now and when someone like Bob Paisley might have been working that way is that we have so many games and we're allowed to rotate squads. I mean, you don't you don't just stick the same eleven out as last weekend if everyone's fit. You you do you know if a player's missing, it doesn't mean he's being dropped. So be interesting. But I think yeah, on the whole, I'm just confident this weekend. But God, we need we need it, don't we? We just need it and get us uh, get us back on the right track. Yeah, yeah, we do. And just as we were recording, clocks in the middle of his press conference um, so I can just give us a few snippets from that um, I'm sure people will know that you know the breakdown of it by the time this is listened to but in, re- in reference to to the blue cards um, you know we should keep it to keep it somehow as simple as possible for referees it's a difficult job introduction of a new card would just give more opportunities to fail as well so you know stop going out on a bang you see certainly even as Mark with, in, in reference to referees um, and just regarding Yurizis confirmed Endo is available. Um, besides that, we have a few problems. Obviously, Thiago, as usual, saying it's not cool. Um, he looked fantastic in training, but it's a muscle issue, and we don't know the extent of it yet. It's not really good news. Dom is not ready for tomorrow, which, if anyone's seen the news this week, you don't really know. It could be anything from a week to seven weeks, whatever going on with the Bosley. There's so many different rumours going around as to the extent of his injuries. Yeah. Um, He's confirmed young Bradley will not be playing. Connor Bradley won't be playing somewhat, obviously, given the situation personally. Um, he said that you know, it's not something that should be discussed in public and he may be back in training next week, but there's no rush, which I think is absolutely spawn perfect. Um, you know, you, you give the lad who has uh, sadly lost a family member as much time as he needs and there's absolutely no pressure on him to play for Liverpool. When he's good and ready, then that's that's good for us. Um, but he takes all the time he needs. And then... Um, there's about a flu, a little bit of flu in the squad, so we will see. I'd imagine, you know, someone will probably miss out tomorrow because they've got the sniffles. Um, and, and other than that, um, you know, but just positive news on that, you know, 
now that we've got Endel back, McAllister can be utilised maybe third up the field. Um, and then finally, just on Mo Salah, if it was up to Mo Salah, he would ask him. He said he'd be back in training next week. Um, but obviously, you've got to take the direction of the, the experts. So it'll be next week um, or the week after. But, you know, I think we all know Mo, the type of person that he is. He wants to he wants to be out on the pitch, you know. He doesn't want to be in the gym lifting dumbbells and comparing six-packs with no one else because he's the best in the pack. Um, so, you know, possibly you might see Mo on the bench for Brentford. I mean, more realistically, hopefully, living in that rearranged game at Anfield, which then will prime them nicely for the Carabao Cup final. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, it might be too early to say, but, you know, I've got the little feeling like, you know, we've had a little hiccup, but it's all sort of coming back together again because... Um, we were never going to get to the end of the season where we were only having sort of two or three recognised first team players on the bench. Sooner or later, that was going to was going to take its toll on us. And I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, we've kind of got through that. You know, we're going to still have players missing from time to time, but we've got enough other decent ones to come in and and carry the weight. So I'm looking forward to what's left of this season. Absolutely. Um, just that thing on the flu as well. Is there anyone who's going to the game against Burnley or any other game this season? I would say. If you feel like you've caught this flu yourself and you're going to be a bit of the sniffles and you can't really make a lot of noise, you're not feeling great, maybe, you know, A, don't spread your flu onto everyone else in the ground and B, you know, pass your ticket on for another reason, as in let someone go and make a lot of noise because we need it. Um, it's been the difference for us, definitely. Um, this last handful of games that we've done so well at home because it's been so loud at home. I've been um, been really impressed with the noise at Anfield, so I hope there's more of that tomorrow. But for us, for now, for this week, that is it. We will be back soon, I'm sure, to discuss whatever else is going on in football, whatever other great ideas people have had about different colour cards. And um, no doubt, with a bit of luck and all things going our way, um, find out how the Everton fans reacted to the real scorelines this weekend and whether they were as delighted to lose against City as they sort of hinted they might be. We'll find out. But thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Jay. And we will be back soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.